You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Pony Stampede Podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Billy Embody. It is Monday. SMU has dropped its second straight game, losing 28-25 to Memphis on the road uh, in a game that, with everything going on around the program, that that game could have gone one of two ways, in, in my opinion. And one was for SMU to cruise by and take care of business against a Memphis team that was 500 entering the game, and the other was kind of what we saw in a way on Saturday, a team that came out a little flat. Both teams didn't execute at a very high level early on. SMU took an early lead, uh, which was good, and they were able to take a halftime lead. But in the end, uh, Memphis came out and scored 21 unanswered points in the second half, and SMU wasn't able to complete a fourth-quarter comeback. And when I look at the game and, and how you kind of – view SMU overall with what's going on, I think it's very important to note that I'm a believer that once that first whistle goes off and kickoff is there for a game, I don't believe in distractions. I really don't. I don't think Tanner Mordecai is taking a snap late in the game, driving to score and uh, maybe win the game or tie the game on a field goal and in the back of his mind is the coaching rumors going on. And I don't think that you know, when Jaylene Record drops a punt, it's because of coaching rumors going on. I don't believe that with the defense shutting down Memphis's run game, they're like, okay, but if we can just let the pass game get torched, uh, that's because of the coaching rumors that are going on. So let me be very clear by that, by saying that. What I do think is going on is, is I still think there are certainly distractions during the week uh, with what with what's going on. Um, still with Sonny Dykes and, and you know his future or the coaching opportunities that are open, whether he's actually in the mix for them or not. Uh, and we saw Texas Tech hire Joey McGuire on Monday. So that's one that you can cross off the list. But I, I do think with the second straight loss and you know one being obviously late October and now the first already in November, Everyone now, I, I think, is is looking at this team and saying, okay, well, how much is all, all the rumors affecting this team and what can be done to, to rally the troops from here? Because now SMU doesn't control its own destiny in terms of the AAC title game. They would need two losses in, in league play by both, uh, by, by Houston, for sure, uh, and then Cincinnati, uh, well, they'll need three losses for Houston and, and two for Cincinnati if they can beat Cincinnati somehow uh, in two weeks to get into the AAC title game. And then from there, and, and because of that, how does this the rest of the season play out? So let's start just with the game. Because I, I think SMU's offense right now is is not at all up to par. And, and they're, they're the the reason why SMU is in this position in a way. You can look at the secondary and giving up 400-and-something yards passing to Seth Hennigan, who, like you 
could have maybe guessed all week was kind of a smokescreen that he was a game-time decision. He looked fine out there picking apart SMU secondary. But the root of the problem right now is the offense for SMU. And they don't have Ulysses Bentley. They don't have an explosive running back to insert uh, in that lineup for him. And the offensive line has struggled to protect Tanner Mordecai the last two weeks. And whether it's Marcus Bryant being out, he returned in the second half to, to play against Memphis and played well, um, or Alana Lee now out for an extended amount of time, or Jalen Thomas really struggling and Bo Morris returning uh, and getting into the game and, and replacing him. The offensive line is now a complete question mark uh, for the rest of the season. And despite you know not giving up a sack for you know the first however many weeks it was, and really taking it to TCU, which normally does have a, a more talented front than SMU. What we've seen now is is kind of them regress. I think there's issues up front with how much they've had to rotate. Uh, who's going to play? Who's going to be available? Who's going to be able to play their very best and, and bring it? And I think on top of that, they're, they're unable, for the most part, to find ways against these drop eight looks, which they're going to get without Ulysses Bentley's, Bentley back there, to manufacture ways to get the ball in their receiver's hands in space and make big plays. And Tanner Mordecai probably played his worst game as a Mustang against Memphis. Uh, of course, that, that interception to cap the game, you know, really, obviously, you know, sunk SMU's ship in the end. Uh, he dropped a, a, another snap that went for a fumble that Memphis recovered. Uh, SMU turned the ball over too much. And you can't do that on the road. And, and those things aren't, those things don't have anything to do with, with the coaching situation that SMU is going through. Um, you have a safety position that is depleted both you know, by some injuries and talent right now. The corners are really struggling to get their heads around, and they're getting called for pass interference, extending drives. And the offensive line is, is unable to protect Tanner Mordecai and give him time to even go through reads against this drop eight look. And at times, Tanner Mordecai is missing open receivers. You know, the flea flick, flicker, they had Grant Calcaterra wide open. And whether you can sit there and say, well, they shouldn't have called it that close to the goal line, they have players open, the players aren't executing. And... On top of that, the coaches probably need to look a little bit in the in the mirror, quite honestly, and try to manufacture some different ways, both offensively and defensively, to improve this team. Because this season, and, and now it really is kind of not sunk. There's still a lot to play for. They're 7-2. They can finish strong. They could ruin Cincinnati's you know season. Cincinnati has looked beatable as of late. They have a lot to play for. But the coaching and, and putting guys in position to be successful has got to improve. You know, offensively, like I mentioned, they've got to find ways to get guys in space. They've got to find ways to still take deep shots. Um, I think Tanner Mordecai at this point, you got to roll him out. He's athletic enough. He can make some plays in the open field. Uh, and maybe you find ways to get some crossing routes involved and, and for him to be able to, you know, produce uh, and produce outside the pocket. And... Then on the defensive side of the ball, en enough with the man-to-man -man coverage. You know, Sonny Dyke said as much in his post-game press conference that SMU's got, you know, guys that are matched up that they're really struggling to, you know, deal with that one-on-one -on -one coverage. And the safeties aren't being put in position to help over the top because they're playing man as well. 
So there's a lot of things to fix on the coaching staff side of things, just in terms of how they're preparing these guys to play, um, the position they're putting them in. You know, I think Jim Levitt, especially right now, uh, has got to find a way to help this secondary. They've got to get drastic with it. I don't know what you do um, in terms of, you know, changing things. Um, but it, the secondary right now is the Achilles heel of this team. The defensive line is getting some stops in the run game, doing a good job on that front. But the secondary has just been um, a sore spot all, all season, and, and they've got to make some changes. You know, I, I don't know what you need to do to get Brian Massey on the field more, um, but right now, I mean, Trevor Denbo's really struggling at safety. Uh, they, they really are missing Isaiah Wokabia in a way, um, just from a perspective of him playing some snaps over some other guys, I think. Um, and, and the secondary is just in a position right now where it, it's probably going to be an issue the rest of the way. I mean, don't get me wrong. But they've got to find ways to help those guys get better and and um, and just be in better positions to be successful because right now they're not. So um, the Memphis game, you know, SMU enters with a halftime lead. I mean, regardless of honestly, like how and Memphis shot themselves in the foot early, missing you know missing out on some opportunities to take an early lead. But regardless of all the noise around the program, SMU held a 10-7 lead. They come out, they get shellacked, 21 unanswered points. Memphis hits its stride. SMU decides to wake up offensively and key turnovers in the course of the game and not being consistent enough offensively ultimately, you know, hurt SMU. So I think the offense needs to own a lot of this. I think anytime a, a team scores 28 points with how many turnovers SMU gave them, um, how many missed opportunities Memphis had to actually score points. You know, the offense has got to wear this one, in my opinion. You know, the defensive secondary is, is bad. It's poor. But the offense, you know, has to step up. And until that happens, you know, this is a team that is looking down the barrel of, of, of definitely finishing below 500 in, in these final five games. So, you know, going two or three, two and three or one and four, um, because if, if the offense isn't cooking, you know, this team is going to struggle. This team has too many weapons to let, you know, Ulysses Bentley's absence uh, kill its season. Uh, the offensive line is, their depth is being tested, but they're not performing at the level they need to either. And they've got a lot of guys that have played a lot of football on that offensive line. You know, they have some that are coming into their uh you know, early points of their careers in terms of playing a lot, like Branson Hickman. Marcus Bryan is still learning. He was nicked up earlier this year. And pretty much every offensive lineman, I think save for Hayden Howerton, has been, and Justin Osborne, Osborne, have been hurt at various points this year. So the offensive line has faced a litany of injury here, uh, need to pull that guy. They made the change after the first two games where they went back to the original lineup, which helped. But the offensive line has to step up. This, the, the wide receivers got to get open. The coaches got to find ways to get players the ball and get them in space and, you know, get them just in better opportunities. So, you know, I think the offense has to wear this loss to Memphis. Um, and, and Sonny Dykes took a lot of the blame for, for the positions the players are being put in. Um, and whatever you want to say about the distractions, I don't necessarily think they matter come game day. And I mean, look at the Cowboys, you know, Kellen Moore's name popped up in the TCU coaching search. Well, the offense went out and laid an egg for the Cowboys on Sunday. You know, does that mean 
Kellen Moore is is now you know um, public enemy number one for Cowboys fans. You know maybe, but that's more so with their performance on the field. Not that he's being rumored for the TCU job, which I don't even know if he'd take, but he could interview for it. So you know the players got to stay focused, coaches got to stay focused. I, I I do think the distraction is there at times during the week, but. At the end of the day, SMU has lost back-to-back games. They've lost back-to-back games by 10 points. They're still 7-2. and two. They have a lot to play for in this season. They have a lot uh, that they can gain by playing well over the last three games of the season. And they can show a lot in terms of their toughness and their mental toughness. You know, SMU is 10 points away from 9-0. and It didn't work out that way. There were some decisions made in the Houston game that obviously came back and, and bit SMU's coaching staff in terms of how they handled the final minute. Um, certainly, they didn't come out, you know, with with great execution. And the Memphis game, they were, they were there um, at halftime, and Memphis did what it needed to do to win the game. And SMU's got to find a way through that. And I, I think the coaching staff has to wear it a little uh, much more so than the players in the second half. They weren't put in the best position to succeed. And on the player side of things, you you can't turn the ball over like Tanner Mordecai did. You can't turn the ball over like Jalen Record did. You know, this is a, that, that's stuff that is basic. Let's do the little things well and do it well on the road. And that's how we're going to win the game. They didn't do them. And they didn't deserve to win the game because of that. So SMU's got to find a way uh, over these next three games to build something positive uh, and, and maybe shock the world and beat Cincinnati. Uh, because this this thing right now is seven and two is a good start to the season. I think you know if they have, would have lost to USF and won one of these two games, you're talking about the season a little differently in a way. You know, outside of the fact that it would have been laying an egg against USF, or maybe if they would have lost to Navy and won one of these two games, people would have been like, okay, you know, the season the AAC championship still isn't in their own. De- uh, they wouldn't be controlling their own destiny anymore. But you're just looking at it a little differently, especially with just the the outside noise around the program. But seven and two, seven and two is still a really good season right now. SMU still has an opportunity to make this season a memorable one and finish strong. And I think that's on everybody taking a, a look in the mirror at what they want to be down the stretch. So um, Tanner Mordecai's got a lot to clean up from his game. I was pretty surprised at what he put together. Um, on Saturday against Memphis and at the end of the day SMU now on the outside looking in of the AAC championship game as far as Sonny Dykes goes you know Texas Tech's uh, made its hire hired Joey McGuire Um, TCU still looking at coaches a lot of people reporting Billy Napier Matt Campbell uh, Kellen Moore uh, even Deion Sanders and Tony Elliott all in the mix there Uh, Sonny Dykes name is obviously going to come up still but like we've reported on the board, he doesn't have an offer. He doesn't. He hasn't interviewed. Um, this is a job that right now is just tied to his name, and the contract extension talks are still there. You know, Sonny Dykes hasn't signed an extension as of the recording of this podcast. We'll see if he does, and if he does that, you know, I mean, as a fan, you've got to look look past what has happened, and I I, I feel like this is a this is a. Um, not any sort of indictment on Sonny Dykes not wanting to be at SMU and not going to be somebody that can still build this program into what people want it to be and and want um, 
and, and want, uh, you know, to be proud of. Uh, he's, he's still very much uh, building this program. And, you know, this is, uh, this is a, a, quite honestly, a, a program that he's proud to be a part of and, and wants to build. And it, and it hasn't gone the way he wanted to this year. And none of these coaching rumors have certainly uh, been something that he wanted to happen either. Um, and we're going to transition into recruiting because SMU is still trying to build this program. Sonny Dykes is still running the show here. And um, he needs to sign, in my opinion, this extension or at least con comment on it at some point and, and, and lay his cards on the table. Um, and whether he does that with the team or whether he does that with the media, I think he probably needs to do that uh, because the there's a narrative, of course, of this is affecting the team. But like I said, you lost your last two games by 10 points, one of them on a basically a walk-off kick return for a touchdown, and then the other one, uh, your team got flat-out out-executed. Out, out um, they were out-coached at, at certain points in the game, and they turned the ball over, which all three of those turnovers are on the players, in my opinion. I mean, Tanner Mordecai stares down a receiver. Uh, he just flat-out dropped the ball. Jalen Record just dropped the ball. Uh, those aren't necessarily on the coaches at any at, by any means. So uh, I, I do think Sonny Dykes needs to comment on where things are and try to build up a little bit more of um, you know some some positive energy around where things are at. Uh, that would that is what I would do if I was him. And uh, this this whole contract coaching rumors thing has to there has to be a, a point where it kind of. Uh, settles a little bit and and figure out what it's going to look like over the next three weeks because um, it, it's it's hanging over um, and until they get back on the winning train it's going to continue to hang over uh, the program in a way so um, moving on to recruiting SMU is still recruiting very very hard uh, trying to build up this this program and they did so by landing one of their longtime targets on Sunday night and talking with some people involved you know, this is one that has kind of been a long time coming, somebody that we've had on the board circled as a top target, and one that I think had some honest conversations with Sonny Dykes. I don't think he sat down and said, hey, do you, you know, promise me you're going to be here, or promise this, or promise that, but from what I was told, uh, he asked the questions and was very, very comfortable making his commitment like he had planned to do over the last week. Uh, Dylan Frazier, McKinney North defensive lineman, commits to SMU. That's commitment number 11 for the Mustangs in this 2022 class, uh, which now ranks number 58 in the country, number three in the AAC, but number one overall in average recruit ranking in the conference. Um, the 6'5", 240-ish pounder camped with SMU over the summer. Uh, Chidira Uzo-Deribe really prioritized him and eventually got the win um, on the recruiting trail for the Mustangs. He picked SMU over Arkansas, Baylor, Kansas State, Minnesota, Oklahoma State, TCU, Texas Tech, and others. He's the number 84 defensive lineman in the country, number 79 overall prospect in the state of Texas on the 24-7 sports composite. He's also the brother of Auburn tight end Brandon Frazier, uh, who held an SMU offer coming out of high school in the 2020 class, um, and he's uh, playing for the Tigers now. Somebody that this is, uh, you turn on his film from 2021 and it's really impressive. You know, he's aggressive, he's physical, he's got size, um, he's verified at almost 6'5", 
he's in that 240 pound range from what I hear, um, probably especially his playing weight this season. But what a recruiting win for SMU. Um, and if you want to put it like this, even with that, everything going on, Dylan Frazier dialed up the Mustangs and said, I want to be a part of this program. I'm very comfortable with where things are at. So let's jump on board and end this thing. So huge recruiting win for SMU. They now sit with 11 commitments, like I said. And if you're SMU, what's next? You know, a corner, safety, all the secondary positions certainly going to be addressed, I think, whether it be high school or transfer portal type players. And, and with the way they've played, I think you got to continue to prioritize that position. Uh, linebacker, you know, Chase Kennedy is a, is a top target for SMU, a TCU legacy uh, who the staff has went out and saw uh, during his senior year. Uh, it wouldn't be surprising to see him officially visit. Um, and then, you know, I think maybe just kind of a best available player, maybe a running back. Uh, that's kind of what's left for SMU in this recruiting class. You've got the wideouts. You've got uh, some edge prospects already committed and uh, Michael Ibuka Okioide and Isaiah Smith. Um, they put together a really nice class. And uh, with these transfer spots uh, late in the recruiting class, I think they can still add some more quality players. Got to continue to address the secondary, specifically those cornerback spots. So look for that. Uh, down the stretch. We'll continue to monitor SMU's recruiting efforts to finish out this 2022 class. The December signing period is just about a month away, and we'll be tracking it all for you on PonyStampede.com. One other quick note before we wrap up, uh, Oklahoma State hosted Quinton Harris for an official visit earlier this fall. Uh, he's the Arlington Seguin offensive tackle that SMU took a commitment from this summer, and that has died down. Uh, the Pokes really thought they were going to flip him, but instead took a commitment over uh, the last week or so from Calvin Harvey, a one-time SMU prospect who ended up committing to Louisiana Tech. Um, and so I think SMU can hold on to Quentin Harris. Still some Power 5 programs circling for him, but uh, things are going well for SMU on the recruiting trail. So we'll continue to track all that for you guys on PonyStampede.com. Give us a follow. Give us a rating if you would like and leave us a review um, wherever you catch us on the pods. And feel free to subscribe for just a dollar for your first month of PonyStampede.com coverage uh, to track everything uh, relating to the Mustangs as basketball season heats up as well. SMU opens the season on Tuesday night uh, for Tim Jankovic and co. So uh, be sure to catch our coverage of that. Uh, the Mustangs come into the season with Kendrick Davis and a lot of new faces set to make their debut against McNeese State um, at 7 o'clock on ESPN Plus from Moody Coliseum. We'll have your coverage there as well uh, with basketball season heating up. So thanks for listening to this edition of the podcast. We will catch you guys later this week with our preview of SMU-UCF set for 11 a.m. on Saturday and uh, also share some thoughts on the Mustangs beginning uh, the basketball season. So ca catch that later this week. and hope everyone has a great week. Uh, thanks for listening to this edition of the podcast. We'll catch you next time. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount Plus.